Is not with us today because it's Thanksgiving week and he's spending time with family. Better and him than me. <laughs> I hope your family doesn't listen to this podcast. No, Melissa. they don't. Okay, good. Because <laughs> you just insulted all of them. But uh, we are doing a special Thanksgiving episode and nothing in the topic is related to Thanksgiving, but we're just thankful to be here with you uh, listeners and with each other. And we want you to spend time with your family, so we're going to do a shorter episode today, hopefully. That's the goal, anyway. So we're going to skip the news and jump right into the subject, which we're going to be talking about uh, two different shows we went to in the past couple of weeks. One is the Internet Marketing Summit. Is that right? Is that what it's called? Internet Summit. Internet but Summit. Marketing is related. There so. you go. It's the Internet Summit in uh, Raleigh, and Misha and Pete went to that, and uh, been to it in the past as well, so you can maybe compare it to how it was in the past. and what you learned, what the takeaways were. And then I went to the hotel experience, the HX show in New York at the Javits Center. And so I'm going to talk about some of the vendors um, that went to that and just about the show in general. So, you know, it might be something that you as a hotelier might want to attend next year. It's the same location every year. It's always around the same time in, in November. So let's kick off. Should we start with HX? Sure, let's do it. All right. So HX, like I said, every year it's around... I think it was November 11th, 12th, 13th, something like that this year um, at the Javits Center in Manhattan, New York. Uh, it's the second time I've actually been to downtown New York. I didn't, it's the first time I've really had a chance to walk around, so I didn't realize how close everything was. This is just a few blocks from Times Square. We stayed at the Hampton uh, Times Square Central down there, which was a nice property. And the Javits is phenomenal. It's beautiful. It's huge. They have glass ceilings everywhere. It's actually where um, Hillary Clinton's celebration party was meant to be on the night of the election. So I could kind of still feel the raw emotion and disappointment Aww. as I walked in. It's it kind of kind of interesting. But uh, the show itself, HX, is it targets hotels and restaurants to a degree, and it was split into three sections. One was uh, more decor, so furnishings and wallpapers and drapery and stuff like that. Uh, so that was on one side. On the far opposite side was more restaurant material, um, ovens and kitchen equipment, stuff like that. And smack in the middle, which is where we were, were the technology and the marketing firms. So like PMS companies like Maestro and IQA were there. There was a couple of marketers like us. But there are also some other you know startups that I like to go talk to when I'm at these kind of shows because... You know, that's we get to learn the new innovation and technology. So I wanted to talk about four of those that I thought were particular standouts. And I will show say, actually I'll throw it out to you guys. Can you guess what the what a lot of people are buzzing about at this show? What 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 are some technologies that people are really interested in right now? Hmm, I feel like anything automation related. Yeah. And I would say anything mobile, mobile apps, mobile check-ins mobile 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 things well you are both correct because i would say the thing that i saw more than anything else was mobile check-in and mobile keyless entry like those were the the, t the things that would seem to be hot buttons there were a few um lock manufacturers there, mm -hmm. a couple of app providers including ourselves but that seemed to be what people were really interested in so i'll start by talking about one um 
vendor in that space called OpenKey. And uh, OpenKey are really trying to become the default universal unlocking mechanism. They've already got the interfaces with all the major key manufacturers like Kaba, like Asa Abloy, um, and a couple of others. And their app, all it does is unlock the, the room, the, the door. What's interesting about these guys is they're really not trying to push their app because their app doesn't have the feature set that say like our app Guest Express has where you can communicate with a guest and local information and additional services and booking hotels. It, it just unlocks the door. So what they've done is developed an SDK, a software developer kit for app developers like ourselves to interface with it to have the keyless entry technology. So they're working with some of the chains and they're trying to get in basically every mobile app that exists. They want it to be powered by OpenKey for the keyless entry, which I think is a pretty smart play. Yeah. yeah. And uh, these guys, what they're really, uh, they just went through some a round of funding. They just got $8 million in funding, which is phenomenal in this space. And they've actually put earmarked a million dollars of that $8 million just to subsidize upgrades of lock systems. So one of the biggest hurdles to this new technology is you've got to replace the lock system on every door in your property. That's a really expensive endeavor for a hotel, right? So, and these locks are not cheap because they have to be connected to the internet all the time and they have to have you know, RFID or Bluetooth technology built in. So, I mean, it's it's substantial cost. So they have a million dollars earmarked just to help people upgrade. So if you sign up with OpenKey, then they, depending on your scenario and situation, they might help you subsidize it. So That's I thought that cool. was pretty cool. But we're actually talking to these guys and looking at, does it make sense for us to integrate with, with Guest Express? Um, but I, I really like that technology. So, well, I will say from my experience, and I'll talk about that in a little bit, but when I was at the conference in Raleigh, I had just gotten done with the first day activities. I was on my way back to the hotel room just to drop off like the, I don't even know, like the copious amount of stuff that I had acquired throughout the day. And I got up to my room and I'm just carrying so much stuff and I get my key out and then it didn't work. Oh, that's the worst. And I was, and I text Pete, I was like, like, where's your room? Am I on the right floor? Like, am I crazy? Um, so I had to go downstairs and it had become demagnetized. Mm -hmm. They were like, oh, don't put it near your phone. And I'm like, I threw it in my purse. You know, I didn't even think about that. So that was definitely an inconvenience for me. So I feel mm -hmm. like a keyless room key would definitely help out with those type of annoyances that you might, you know, find in certain situations. Yeah, I like it. I mean, it's, it's very secure technology. I mean, I think it... it it, again, is another reason you can bypass the, the front desk if you choose to. Yeah. It's, it's just very convenient. Do you feel like having super awesome internet is kind of a requirement for this? Uh, no. I, I mean, because I, I, the technology to... The, the um, locks themselves communicate via the cell signal, is my understanding. Not necessarily Wi-Fi. Well, they can. And then the phone communication to the actual lock is... Uh, either low power Bluetooth or RFID, so mm -hmm. it's actually not using Wi-Fi to do oh, any of cool. that stuff. Oh, okay. um, but yeah, I, I think and and you have to hold it really close and put your thumb mm -hmm. on the, the the thumbprint thing with an Apple device. So super encrypted, super secure. Um, I think I think it's something that we're probably in the infancy, honestly. But mm -hmm. I think it's going to take off, and we'll see in the next five years. Uh, certainly, any new builds are going to have this lock technology. And I think as people refurbish, it's an investment worth making. And, and think about this, 
right now it costs about if, if you're using the printed swipe cards they cost about 40 cents each to, to make right wow. so think and about how many the cost savings turn those back right on. exactly so say you're giving away two per per room right. per stay and you say you're a hundred unit room, uh, unit property and you've got you know three or four different guests staying in a room each week that adds up I mean that's that's tens of thousands of dollars a year in lost keys that you're probably paying right now that you could potentially reduce or eliminate with keyless entry so I think yeah, is there a cost with the mobile app technology sure but the benefit is you're saving money on the keys you're adding convenience to the guest and if you're using an app like guest express that we do you're also given given the opportunity now to communicate with the guest in real time one-to-one -one on a personal level and sell them additional stuff and drive revenue as well so I think it's it's definitely something that's going to help your bottom line if you're using it right. Mm -hmm. So that leads me to so that was um, OpenKey, and where can we find those guys? They are at OpenKey.co, yeah. not .com. .co. .co. Okay, so check them out. They're, they're, it's pretty cool. Um, but next up is in a similar realm is a company called Crave, and they're based in the UK, but they're they're penetrating the US market, and they're taking a different approach. Um, they actually have an in-room mobile app. So you buy the hardware from Crave and the software is on that hardware. So they, they rather than using iPads or, or re regular Android tablets, what they've done is created a proprietary technology. So they've taken off the stuff you don't need on that device to make to lower the cost and to make it easier for you to manage. So there's not a camera on there. There's not a microphone on there, right? So this, this reduces the manufacturing cost and reduces the cost to, to deploy it in your property. Um, they have a couple of different sizes that are similar to regular tablets, like an iPad and an iPad mini size. But they sit in this little dock, so they, they charge automatically in the room. And their data says that people that are using this in-room are seeing about 50 page views per day, occupied stay, um, on these devices. But it's, it's essentially a virtual menu. You can do room service, you can communicate with the property, you can give error information. So um, it's pretty cool, you know? So if you're not looking at doing the remote check-in with a, a mobile app for the phone, this is potentially an alternative. I'm assuming you can express checkout then probably? You know, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. I, I see it more as it's replacing all the collateral that you might have mm -hmm. typically in a room. Yeah. You know, like the menus and, and, you know, stuff for area information and important phone numbers. And so it's more of a resource. But well, it, it could be a place for cool. upgrades and upsells as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So if you had a spa in the property, it does interface with a lot of POS um, systems. So if you had a spa in property and someone wanted to book a, a session there, they could do it through the app. Um, like I said, room service, you could maybe order, uh, we'll book a table at the restaurant things like that, but they kind of custom build the solution for you. I, I, I think this is interesting. I, I, I think my kids would probably play with it a lot in the room. It would entertain them. Hopefully there's something that prevents them from <laughs> spending a lot of money on it. You know, I'd have to <laughs> authorize it somehow, but I, I liked what they're doing just because it's a different approach and, and the proprietary technology makes them unique in the space from what I've seen anyway. So that, that's Crave, and where can we find them? And you're going to make fun of me for this. I know. <laughs> they are at crave 
emenu.com. All right, so I have a confession. When I first was, I met them at the show, and then afterwards I went and looked them up online and just Googled Crave, you know, mobile in-room mobile apps, and went to their website. And uh, when I was preparing the show notes and copied and pasted their URL into them, I, I didn't read it as e-menu. I was trying to read e-menu as one single word, and I was like, e-menu? What is e-menu? Is it, what, is, what is crave-e-menu? And then all of a sudden, I had the epiphany that it's e-menu, and then I felt really silly. But now I felt like sharing it with everyone, so you can all make fun of me. Stuart is special. That's the hashtag for the day. I am very special. <laughs> um, so that, that was a pretty cool technology, so check out uh, Crave. They're, they're pretty good. So now shifting gears a little bit uh, was another company, and these, these guys are right across dangling from us in a, in a booth, and it's called Bisley. And um, Bisley is, I don't, they're trying to create a, a, a marketplace here that doesn't exist, but, but I think it has a lot of potential. So uh, what, think of this as essentially Uber for meeting space. So a lot of hotels that have big meetings booked also have a lot of little smaller meeting rooms, right, that go underutilized or unused completely for days or weeks or months on end, right? So this is being piloted in a few cities right now. It's in San Francisco, it's in New York, it's in DC, it's in Chicago, and they're expanding into a couple of other cities pretty soon as well. But basically they go and partner with the local hotels and it's all high-end, high-touch, very good experience kind of properties. And they'll log some of their small meeting space into a central inventory system. So as a consumer, I can download the Bizly app. And if I need to have a meeting, like an impromptu meeting, or if I'm going into a city that I don't have a home base and I want to schedule a bunch of meetings, I can use Bizly to schedule the space. So it's it's pretty cool. Um, you know, I don't have any data on how much is being utilized or how successful they are in these markets that they're piloting it. But I like the concept, and if they can become universal, I really could see it taking off, um, especially for people that travel a lot in business. Does this not already exist in some form? Like, I'm genuinely curious. Like, is there not a website you can go to that already has an inventory of meeting I don't think there's a centralized inventory from what Mm -hmm. I've seen. I think you can call a property and say, hey, do you have a meeting space for five people for two hours on Tuesday. So it's super know. manual and not... Yeah, yeah. It's very, um, you know, disparate right now. You have to go to the individual place. And if you don't know the market, you, you don't even know what property to call in the first mm. place, right? So we've done that in some cities before when we, we wanted to meet with folks or we've had, you know, a bunch of clients we wanted to have in a room and, and talk to them. So we've always manually booked those places. So I, I would definitely be interested in using Bizly, you know, in the right scenario. I don't know the business model. I don't know, um, you know, how. I think it's a subscription base or a one-off base. Is my understanding for the consumer? You can either say I just want to put one room and it costs whatever, and I guess Bisley's taking a, a slice of whatever that price is, and the hotel's getting a slice of it. So um, they've only been around about six months, so it, it's a fairly new startup. But uh, you know, they seem to be busy at the show. People seemed interested in the product. But yeah, that's a huge show to go in six months in. Good for them. Yeah, yeah. So um, I am curious about the demand. I was thinking that too. Like, how many impromptu meetings? Like, I'm sure I'd be surprised. I'm not important. I feel enough the for same meetings, way about that, but I don't know. 
It's yeah. a very interesting concept. I'm intrigued. Yeah, I like it. I mean, we talk, we, we've talked a lot about Uber and, and, and stuff on this show. We even talked about the, the, the food version of right. Uber. I forget the name of it. A couple of episodes ago where you can basically book eating at someone's house. Oh, yeah. I can't remember. We did talk about um, that. I can't remember the name. So, you know, I, I feel like this whole shared economy concept and, and centralizing inventory for whatever it is, it, it is the direction we're all heading. So I think good hats off to Bisley for taking yeah. the, the lead on the, the business meeting space side. I think that's really cool. All right, and then last up, the one I wanted to talk about was Duetto. And Duetto is someone that I've had my eye on for a little while because they're doing a really, really good job content marketing. They're putting out a lot of cool blog articles, a lot of um, white papers and stuff like that. And, and they're, they're taking a similar approach to, to Fuel. You know, we put out content that we, we believe is genuinely helpful to, to our potential customers or partners, right? So not everything we do is directly promoting fuel, just like this podcast, right? We talk about all kinds of marketing stuff that helps people. We hope that that builds trust and you know people see who we are and how we tick. And then ultimately, if it works out somewhere down the line, maybe you know we'll work together as a partner. Duetto's taking the same approach. They're doing this content marketing strategy that is very broad. They're talking about things that actually help hotels market themselves. But what they do as a product is they're, 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 they focus on driving and increasing your rev par. And they do that in two ways. One is by helping you manage your rates. So pro- using data and analytics in demand, things like that to help project what your rates should be throughout the year and helping you yield those rates. So it's a software that helps make rate management a lot easier. But then it also has another component that is is more predictive analytics. So it's looking at um, based on demand, based on how much what's on your books and your rate and how the rate's gonna change, what your revenue's gonna be like forecasted. You know, so it's a very useful tool for hotels, especially today when we talk a lot about rate parity and how many channels you're pushing out rates on, how much competition there is in the space. Uh, to do rate management the old-fashioned way and do it very manually is almost impossible today. To do it well is is certainly impossible today. So using a tool like Duetto, I think, is, is really important for a hotel. We're actually talking to Duetto now about maybe because we really like the content they're producing, they looked at the content we're producing, so maybe we're going to collaborate in the future um, on some of that stuff as well. So, but Duetto, I, I really like what they're doing. I think that's really important. The predictive analysis part that yeah. you know you can sit and play with pricing models and see how that's really going to affect you in the future. I think that's that's huge to be able to do that. Yeah, and one thing that really to me set them apart from other folks in this space because it is a little bit of a competitive industry. But they have one of the one of the main guys there actually came from the hospitality industry. He was a rate manager and he worked his way through through hotels his whole life. So from reservationist through rate manager, he knows the industry really well. So they partnered him with the software developers to build a tool that actually makes sense from a rate manager's perspective. That's it's not smart. just it's not just a bunch of IT nerds that come in and create a solution that they think will work for the market. They've actually gotten some people in-house that know this industry, understand what the real pain points are, and they've solved the problems that they really have in real life, which really makes a lot of sense. So where can people find Duetto? Duettoresearch.com. Okay. 
So that that's kind of the, the highlights for me from Ajax. It is a great show. I would check it out if, if you're interested. I don't know. I forgot to write down the URL here, but if you Google Ajax show, it's always at the Javits Center in, in Manhattan. Um, if you're looking for vendors from, like I said, from upholstery and furniture and decor to technology to restaurant equipment, they have the full gamut. It is not as big as I'd say. It's not as big as, say, a high-tech in terms of the technology side. It, it's definitely a, a little smaller, but I think the quality of vendor there was really impressive. So it's a show that is worth checking out and putting on your calendar if, if you want to attend shows next year as a hotel. So there we go. That's HX. Let's shift over to the Internet Summit. Yes, so I was very lucky that I have a company that will send me to awesome conferences um, so we went to the Internet Summit, Pete and I did. This is a somewhat broad conference from a offerings perspective. It's located in Raleigh, so it's within driving distance of us, which was really convenient. So Pete and I went up, we, they have a pre-conference event, and then they have tons of breakout sessions. So before I talk about the actual conference, I did want to share my experience about the Marriott that we stayed at. We booked the conference hotel that was recommended. It was right next to the conference center. And there's actually like an underground system. So you don't actually have to see the outside world, which I don't think I went outside for three days. So that was kind of awesome that I didn't have to deal with the weather because it was pretty cold up there. And I will say that even compared to I went two years ago, the hotel went through like massive renovations and changes that really made it, in my mind, a lot more memorable. Like when I went there two years ago, I was like, oh, staying at the Marriott, like everything was fine. But this year, in particular, I felt the customer service at the front desk was exceptional. Like everybody was overly friendly. They addressed me by my name, um, even at, you know asked for the correct pronunciation, which having yes. a very odd <laughs> last name, I appreciated pronunciation. that. Pronunciation, not pronunciation. Pronunciation. Are you correcting my... I'm correcting your pronunciation of pronunciation. Okay, thank you for that. You're welcome. <laughs> right, do you know how to pronounce my last name? Bukikio. Okay, just checking. Bocicchio. <laughs> Bocicchio. Uh, but so I was very pleased there. The in-room experience was very interesting because I was actually telling everybody that I work with that I am like super behind on the bandwagon, but I finally started watching The Office and everybody's like really excited for me. And I've been binge watching this at home and I was a little disappointed like man I don't feel like there's gonna be a way for me to watch it while I'm in the room Which not that I'm really in the room that often But you know I wanted to watch a little bit while I could if I had any downtime And the first thing I saw when I walked in the room is this giant TV and it has a screen up That's like stream Netflix and all these other apps and I was way too I was more excited about the Netflix in my room than anything else at that <laughs> point <laughs> I probably shouldn't be telling you that Stuart, but it's fine <laughs> Um, so that was really cool. I thought that was something that you don't necessarily see at other properties yet. I think it's coming. So did you have to log into Netflix or was it already logged in? I logged into Netflix under my account, but there was no charge or anything for it. So I just logged in under my username and password. Okay, so did you log out afterwards or does the next person that come use your same login and then wreck your recommendation? <laughs> no, it automatically logged me out the next day. Okay, good. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And something else I thought that was very unique, which I've never seen anywhere else, was that they had a program that was communicated through in-room marketing where you could put the privacy little handle on your door 
and forego housekeeping for up to three days, and you would get 500 loyalty points for each day you skipped housekeeping. Oh, that would be awesome for me. I never let housekeepers come in my room if I'm only going to be there for two or three days. Yeah. I just know. I just keep that thing on my door the whole time. Yeah. So this is a way for, you know, from an operation standpoint to save a little bit of time on the housekeeping end, but also offer an incentive to do yeah, that. Yeah, reward people for it. That's great. That's awesome. And when I was there two years ago, the lobby was like completely under construction renovations, which was fine. It didn't deter from the experience. But going this year, they had a really awesome open bar concept. Not open bar. You had to pay for the drinks. But it was a very open space that had a lot of just very collaborative social areas. And they featured a lot of local breweries and, like, craft cocktails. And they had, like, fireplaces. And I thought just from a, from a trend perspective, I've seen a lot of hotels are moving towards that more collaborative space and they're just doing a lot more emphasis on local products. So I thought they did a really good job of executing that because each night we were walking by, there was tons of people there from, you know, not even necessarily the same conference, but, you know, people interacting and getting to know each other and just hanging out, enjoying being at the hotel. So I thought that was really cool and they did a good job with that. That's neat. And I think more the extra revenue that drives for people that are mm-hmm. sitting there buying the local cocktails and the beers. Yeah, it was, it, and all the drinks we had were great. Everybody was very friendly, so they did a really good job with that. Did you leave a review? Not yet. Are you going to? I am going to. Is it going to be five stars? It will probably be five stars. Awesome. I can't think of anything bad to say, so. That's good? Yeah. Awesome. So let's talk about the show. So the show itself, I will say I, again, year to year, going two years ago versus this year, I was more happy with it. I wasn't dissatisfied last time, but I felt like the offerings were better. I felt like the vendors were better and I felt like the networking experience was better. So I feel like all around, I personally got more out of it. We did the pre-conference, which is where you can pay a little bit extra and then get like a really in-depth training on a variety of topics. So you choose which topic you want to attend. So I went to the SEO pre-conference it was um, present. The presenter was Mike King. His um, company is I Poll Rank, and that's his Twitter hashtag. If you want to follow him or his Twitter username, um, I was really impressed. It was super in depth, like even more so for me. Like there was parts that were definitely over my head, but overall, I felt the quality of it was fantastic. It was tons of information for four hours, four and a half hours. So he did a really great job with that. I was very pleased with the amount of information that was actually useful. It was one session for four and a half hours. Yeah. Was there a wow. break? Was there a break? We did get a break. Okay. He was nice. He gave us a break, but Holy yeah, God. it That's was rough. Yeah. I mean, it was good information. So I wasn't, you're you know, engaged. the whole time. I, Yeah, I was engaged and he did a really good job at really encouraging people to ask questions. Like he would, he broke up his presentation as specific topics. Mm -hmm. And then afterwards, it was very casual. I mean, he was sitting on the stage half the time. He had tons of slides that were really short and to the point and like people were really engaging and asking questions. So I thought that was helpful too, because I know we've all been to presentations where it's like, do you have any questions? No, okay, moving on. Yeah. Yeah. So people were really engaged and active and he had a very casual approach, which I think definitely helped foster that community and people just engaging with each other. So that was a lot. So then we got a lunch break and then for the rest of the that entire day and the next day there were breakout sessions. They were 30 minutes long with I think a 10 minute break in between literally all day. And they have, I want to say there used to be less options. There used to be I think five sessions at once. And now there's about seven to choose from. 
So it's, it was a little bit difficult to narrow down, like, what do I want to go to, like, planning out your day. But I did like that they had so many different topics covered. They had a lot on SEO. They had a lot on paid search. They had some speakers from really big companies like Facebook come in, um, a few speakers from Google. They had, I don't know if I said this one yet, email. I mean, they just had so many different topics to choose from and a lot of people providing a different perspective. So I really enjoyed that. And from a networking perspective, I felt like it was not stuffy. It was very casual, very, they had it in the vendor area. So it was less yeah. pressure between the actual events to go like, I'm going to run and talk to a vendor and then run out. It was just kind of like, come as you want, very chill. I mean, we talked to so many people this year than I felt like I did two years ago. And I feel like that's partially because I'm a little bit more used to networking and less awkward about it. But I definitely felt like it was a lot more just natural at this event. So you just you just told us, so recapping, that you at the hotel you had Netflix and at the show you had chill. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, well, so no. to summarize Netflix and chill. No, this was network and chill. Okay, nice. <laughs> that kind of conference. Yeah. I gotcha. Yeah, so, but I, every, I mean, they definitely did a good job about it. So moving into some key takeaways, obviously a ton, a ton of information, a lot of good takeaways. I... I'm currently writing a blog about this that was supposed to be a recap and it's now like four and a half pages long and I'm not done yet. So you can reference my blog for much more in-depth information about these and I'm trying to put a lot of links to articles and tools and all the speakers. So if you want more information on any of these, please look for that in the future. The first one, and this is more just a general trend I've seen across the board as to what's coming in the future of marketing, but marketing automation. There were so many marketing automation vendors, a lot of email vendors as well, but marketing automation specifically, I feel like is a huge thing right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's been growing for, for several years, but I just think the technology is getting more sophisticated. Um, I, I will give a word of caution though, because I think it's a good, good thing to automate where it makes sense. Don't over-automate and then just set it and forget it because you, you're going to end up with wonkiness in the automation mm -hmm. and you're going to lose some of that personal touch as well. So I think, That's my fear as well. I think that people in general will just do the set it and forget it. Yeah, and, and they'll rely on the yeah. defaults and it, it just it depersonalizes things. You know, And, and the whole pu purpose of automation is to make it easier to personalize, to make you know, make decisions on a one-to-one -one basis versus spray and play kind of things. And I will admit, prior to this event, I wasn't as savvy as to what marketing automation even meant because it is kind of just a generic word. And just talking to some of the vendors there, you know, I have a much better idea of, okay, what it actually does and I like the concept of it. You know, so it's definitely something I'm more interested in. Just the companies that I had experience with, Apparently HubSpot is a marketing automation software, which yeah. I'm very familiar with HubSpot, but I didn't really understand that they fall into this space. And I've been to their websites hundreds of times and have gotten all of their emails and see all their calls to actions and the resources, but I don't know why. I was just confused as to what they did. So I don't know if that's just me not wrapping my head around what they do or them not communicating effectively, um, but I know they're in that space. They're, I think Salesforce has a product in that space. The person that I talked to the most was actually from Act On, which I had not heard of before. But we met Brandon, who's the regional sales manager for North Carolina and South Carolina, 
at the opening reception that they sponsored. So thanks for sponsoring that. It was a really fun event. It was at the Raleigh Times. We talked to him for quite a while. And it was interesting because we talked to him for a while. And then it was like a 30-minute conversation before it was like, oh, and by the way, like I worked at Act On. Like it never even came up. So I feel like just from a vendor perspective, it was nice to have a, a conversation about here's where we work, here's what we do. And he never pushed the product. Yeah. He never, you know, just some vendors are more salesy than others. So he even mentioned, you know, we like to be, if it works, it works. If we're not a good product, you know, perhaps if we have anything that can help you or if you have anybody that can help us. So definitely. That's, yeah, that's that. a good approach. That, yeah. that fits with our, our approach mm-hmm. as well. That's neat. The second takeaway, and this is kind of, I could go down a million rabbit holes with this. So if you're interested in SEO rabbit holes, please see my blog. But the pre-conference workshop I went to spent a lot of time discussing technical SEO. And this is something that, you know, we have in-house web developers that I can go talk to to work out specific issues. But I feel like where I have personally fallen short is communicating exactly what issues are, what the problems are. And it's been somewhat of a pain point just to kind of work out issues and problems. And so that's something I'm trying to improve on. And he, Mike King gave a lot of great tips on how to better communicate with teams or what you can do to educate yourself better. But a few major talking points that I think are going to be crucial coming up are code is now more important than ever. Obviously, your website code has always been important, but just not even using the right type of code in the right scenarios, but how your code is ordered on the page as far as what's loading first and how search engines crawl things first and display things is hugely important. Mainly because my second point was that site speed is now more important than ever. And those two things are very closely tied together. Yeah, for sure. Especially with mobile being so important, you know, right now and how Google shifted from the desktop algorithm being their priority to now their their mobile algorithm is their focus speed on mobile device where bandwidth might not be as fast where you're just looking for a faster experience overall speed is critical from an seo perspective but it's also really critical from a user perspective you know i i I talked to a client this morning who's or or a prospect this morning who's a listener of the show and uh, you know one of the things we were discussing is that their website was very slow to load Mm -hmm. you know does how does that impact the conversion rate you know, on, on the site, the people bail because they, they just don't want to wait. Well, one of the stats that was discussed specifically in this portion was that search engines, Google, they expect all of the above the fold content to load within one second. Mm-hmm. That it, I mean, that's incredibly fast. So if your site is not that fast, there is a huge chance that if you have people in market that are similar to you, that are doing it better than you and faster than you, mm-hmm. they're going to outrank you, particularly yeah. on mobile. Yeah, this is a, it's a big ranking factor. It really mm-hmm. is, and it's becoming seems to be becoming mm-hmm. more and more important. And there's a lot of ways to deal with it. You know, cleaning cleaning up the code is, is one. Taking junk off your site. Um, we talked last week episode or a couple weeks ago about you know website mistakes and having images that are too large mm-hmm. and take forever to load is another one. But you, you can also use technology like a content delivery network, a CDN, to offload some of those assets. And that can really help speed up the site a lot because now some of those big heavy things like the, the, the JavaScript libraries or the images that you're loading aren't coming from your web server. They're coming from the backbone of the internet. They're cached somewhere else that is 50 times faster than anything you could ever serve up from your web server. So there, there are things out there, but pay attention to your, mm-hmm. your site speed 
and your indexing speed. In Search Console, it gives you some good data on how long it takes Google to index your pages. And that's something that you need to pay attention to too. Yeah, and in my article, I'll link to a lot of the tools that he referenced that you can use. And one thing, this was one of the things that was slightly above my level of comprehension at this point, but talked about just how you really need to have a very in-depth understanding of all the different browser types and device types mm -hmm. and know how to yeah. optimize your the critical rendering path for each one of those. Mm -hmm. So that was something I'm kind of slowly diving more into. Again, that's a little above my neophyte level of comprehension of how these things work, but definitely an area of interest. And I think this leads to the third SEO point, which is AMP pages, rich snippets and rich cards. I don't want to get too deep into those right now. My article has plenty of information, but just how search engines are constantly evolving and optimizing, not only how they work, but how they're presenting information to the users. So AMP pages are pretty new and they're continuing to roll out this format across a lot more than just news articles. So in case you're unfamiliar, this is accelerated mobile pages and it's almost a stripped down version of a page so i feel like we've come full circle with how web pages are produced and how they're being shown but they're just lightning fast compared to loading a full page yeah it's just a stripped down version so you get the the meat and potatoes of it but without all the extra gubbins that you don't need around it so and then rich snippets and rich cards work from structured data and again they're just a different way of presenting instead of having a link to an article it'll have an image a little bit of a summary they're actually just this week rich cards rolled out to local restaurants as well they used to be used to see them a lot for recipes but now they're kind of experimenting with what industries they're showing this information for so basically, in a nutshell, you're saying SEO is not dead. No, SEO is far from dead. It's, it gets more complicated every every single year. Yeah, I feel like my job gets more interesting slash more difficult every single year because there's just so much more to know about and dive into. It's getting so nitty gritty, which is exciting, but it also can be a little overwhelming. Yeah, I, I mean, I, it, it can be, but I think at the at the root of it, and we did a whole episode focused on the top three most important factors from SEO being um, content, links, and rank brain. If you get those right, this other stuff can have an impact, but it, if you get those first three right, nine out of 10, you're gonna be doing really well in search engines. So you can take more of a pragmatic approach and say, I'm just gonna create the best experience I can for a user. And when you think about it that way, then of course you're gonna want the site to be fast because you want the best experience, right? Of course you're gonna want these rich snippets that display good, organized, semantically relevant content on the SERP because that's good for the user. So if you put the user first in everything you do from an SEO perspective, the rest kind of makes sense. Um, but it, it can get technical, can get um, overwhelming, which is why you know we offer the services that we do and other people offer similar services too. So you don't necessarily have to worry about how do I add schema.org markup to my site, you know, and things like that. Let let the developers, the nerds like Fuel, handle that kind of stuff for you if it's not something you want to dive into. The third point I wanted to touch on, that was just my big takeaway. I'm sure this is something that's not new to us as a concept, but a lot of the presentations talked about buyer personas and the buyer's journey which I am personally very interested in. I have a degree in marketing with a minor in psychology, so this is like the love child of the two concepts, so I can definitely appreciate the relevance of it. And I think it is super buzzy at the moment, but it's certainly a movement that I can get behind. I think it makes sense to 
map out your ideal customer or your ideal customers and really get to know them and then really understand for your particular product or service or for your hotel what's the research process like what's the decision making process like how is this specific person finding our property how are they you know what is their decision making set how can we better nurture that and just make sure you're addressing every point in that in your funnel you have content to to support that and help them move naturally down that you're not leaving any questions out there. Yeah, I, I think, you know, we talked in the, the episode a couple weeks ago about the, the mistakes the websites make. One of them that we talked about was people design their website for themselves and they're not necessarily their target audience. So if, if nothing else, because personas can get really deep and really complicated and really overwhelming fast, but if you just think about it as really just putting yourself in the perspective of that potential guest or multiple types of potential guests when you're making decisions, whether that's where to advertise, what the messaging is, um, what time of day, what frequency, you know, how things look, all the, all the things that are gonna impact the decision, don't look at it from your own perspective, your own taste, your own experiences, think about it from consumer and, and we do that here at fuel we, we have we create personas even for our target partners and clients and you know we name them and we talk about them and we talk about where where their pain points are and what they're looking for from a partner like fuel and um, I think it's really important when you're dealing with a consumer like hotel industry is that you do that because it can help you frame every discussion in a way that makes you make the right decisions for the audience, not for yourself. Yeah, I will agree that you can get uber specific with your personas, and that's great if you have the time and resources to do that, but start small. Just understand that your property, or if you're not a hotel and you just like our podcast, your product or service does not appeal to everyone, and that's fine. Like You really need to understand who is staying with you, you know, what their needs are, what their motivations are, what their goals are, and how you can address that and what their pain points are and how you can overcome that. Mm -hmm. And I have a blog post from about a year ago on marketing personas, um, so we can link to that in the podcast notes too. That'll just give you a pretty good overview of how to come up with a, at least a good few, four to five different types of personas that mm -hmm. probably would suit you well. Yeah, and this, this kind of, it, it resonates throughout all of your marketing, right? Because it, 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 it not only helps you make creative decisions, messaging decisions, but it can help you with your content calendar. Like what articles am I writing? Or with your social media calendar. Like what am I posting? What am I talking about? Does my, does my audience, are they interested in what's going on in the world and, and what specific current events can I comment on because I know it's important to my, to my potential guests. So I think, I think it's an important exercise. Not everyone does it right. I think a lot of people overcomplicate it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, read Melissa's article and, and it's something that you should dabble with. Even if you come up with two personas initially or three, yeah. you know, just try it and see if it changes your mindset when you're approaching the marketing. I have a confession too. So I was looking at resources that I can reference for my article and I found one, I'll probably include it in there. I think it was a HubSpot um, tool, but it walked you through the process of building a persona. And so I named my person Silly Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> and you're the director of fun. That was your title. Nice. Yeah. I like being a director of fun. I, that, that's better than my real job. Yeah, I, yeah, I gave you a promotion. Awesome. Well... Is, is that it? Is that the recap? That is my recap. I will say I really enjoyed the Internet Summit. 
I encourage anyone who's, you know, whether you work in a specific industry or you're just really interested in marketing, definitely check it out. I feel like this company has multiple conferences all over the nation. So um, look for one in your area. For us, it was a pretty affordable conference. So I, I, I definitely recommend it. Awesome. Well, that, that is great. So speaking of conferences and meetings that you can attend, we have one coming up on December 14th. You want to talk about that? Yes. So there is a December luncheon for our local chapter of the HSMAI. Well, it's the whole South Carolina chapter, right? Yes. Okay, cool. So regional chapter. Regional, yes. yeah. So people come in from all over South Carolina. Yes. And it's going to be at Ocean Creek Resort on Wednesday, December 14th. And Stuart will be speaking on digital trends for 2017. I think you're going to be speaking too, right? It's I, not all on my shoulders. I can speak too. That is totally okay, fine. Okay, good. I'm trying to promote you more because I feel like... I'm the director of fun. Yeah, you're the director of fun. So it kind of holds more weight than the associate director of fun. <laughs> <laughs> assistant to the director of fun. Oh, that's right. It's assistant too. Yes. Yeah. Um, but no, it'll be good. We're, we've got some really good ideas. We've got a lot of information that you should know about for the upcoming year. So if you're in the area or you would like to come see us and you're not in the area, pencil that in. December 14th, Ocean Creek Resort. We better start working on that presentation. Yes, we probably should. I was thinking as that as I lied about all the great information we already have. <laughs> <laughs> she kids, we have lots of great information. We just don't have it organized in a presentation yet. But we will before December 14th. Yes. Um, and then that leads me to, remember last episode we teased that we we're going to have a special guest on the show? Mm. You remember that? I do remember that. Everyone's been waiting with bated breath, right? I haven't taken a breath in a week. Well, I did give a hint. I said last week... It, it's not the, it's not an A, B, C, it's a, an E, perhaps. E could be the letter of the week. Oh, that is a good hint. Mm. So, we're going to start having guests on this podcast, and we th thought we'd start out in style and get an A-list, and so we reached out because we were curious ourselves about Expedia and their new product, Rev Plus, which helps from a revenue management perspective. So, we are going to have a couple of fine folks from Expedia on next week's episode, talking all about the Rev Plus product. That is that? super Woo! awesome. Isn't that great? So, yeah, we, we're figuring out the logistics of that. They're going to be calling in, and we're going to be recording, and it's going to be lots of fun. And Hopefully, we're going to get educated, and our listeners are going to get educated. And then if that works really well, then we're hopefully going to do a lot of uh, things along that line where we're going to get guests in and talking about all kinds of stuff. So if you, listening, have any subject you want us to cover or any particular vendor or product that you'd like us to highlight and, and do an episode focused on it then let us know at fuel travel on twitter and you can also go there to submit your questions and let us know what you think of the podcast and also please if you are enjoying what we're doing here go to itunes and leave a review as well because that really helps other people find us and we're up to almost ten thousand listeners now can you believe that that, that is, is amazing. Yeah. So it, this is going really, really well. I was looking at the stats. It's like nine, 9,500 and something. So this, the podcast is doing way better than we ever thought. We kind of started as a little pet project for our own entertainment and you know education. And um, you know, I think takeaway from this episode, if you're listening and you have a team, you manage a team or you have other employees, I think it's really important to continue to educate those people. Send them to conferences. Send them to shows. Because, you know, we 
we try to stay on top of it and we can only do so much as individuals, but it's when you go and collaborate and share and with other folks in the industry, it's when you listen to industry thought leaders about the latest and greatest stuff. You don't have to jump on every bandwagon that comes along, but you never know when you're going to learn something new you didn't know that's going to help improve how you do your job, how you market your hotel, how to get heads in beds. So I would definitely say this episode, the spirit of it is educate yourself and your employees because that's how you're going to improve your marketing. So um, where can they find you on the web, Melissa? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at M-A Cavanaugh. It's M-A-K-A-V-A-N-A-G-H. And Misha. You can find me at Marketing Misha. That is at Marketing M-E-I-S-H-A. And you can find me at Stuart Butler, S-T-U-A-R-T-B-U-T-L-E-R. You can find us collectively at Fuel Travel. And don't forget, you can always look at these uh, the podcast notes, which is going to have links to all the stuff we talked to about, including the vendors and the tools and all that fun stuff. You can get that at fueltravel.com slash podcast and click on episode 32. So until next time, you've been listening to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. Hey, Stuart. Yeah. Is that an e-menu in your pocket or are you just happy to see me? <laughs> <laughs>